May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning. A good crowd for a rainy Sunday morning. So glad to see you here today. When I lived in Birmingham, Alabama, I was in a running club, and we ran in big groups, and so we often ran with people we didn't know. And, and I can remember one run. I was running with a friend, but there's another guy that, that I didn't know, and he was just kind of making small talk, and he said, so what do you do? And I felt really bad for the guy because we had like 10 more miles to go. <laughs> and I said, I'm a pastor. Silence. <laughs> it was just silence. And I eventually said, that's okay, man. It, that shuts down pretty much every conversation I have. Um, that's the question we all ask, though, isn't it? I mean, like, it's the cocktail party, meet and greet question. So... What do you do? Uh, and sometimes it's a way to, to size people up. Uh, sometimes it's just a way to break the silence, make small talk. Uh, it's a good way to get to know somebody. It's also sometimes a good way to uh, put expectations or judgment on someone based on their answer. Uh, that runner immediately had all sorts of images of what kind of person I was and what I surely thought of him, um, based, just based on my answer. Uh, not everyone would have had that reaction. It kind of depends on the perspective of the asker as to how we respond, doesn't it? For instance, you might ask someone, so what do you do? And they might say, well, I stay at home so I can homeschool my kids. And some people would think, wow, that is fantastic that you're able to do that. That's really wonderful. And some people might think, okay, I don't really know what to do with that. You know, it just kind of depends on the perspective. You might say, what do you do? And someone says, I'm a physician. And, they, and one person might say, wow, that is, I mean, that's just great that you get to help people. And somebody else might say, wow, here's a pledge card. But um, it's a, <laughs> it just kind of depends on, on the perspective. Um, but I wonder how you would react if you asked someone, so what do you do? And, and they said, their response was, well, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay. <laughs> right? You're like, what do you do? What do you do with that? But that is, uh, that is exactly what Jesus says that he has come to do. What we have in the gospel passage this morning is Jesus's own description of the character of his ministry. And so you can see why it is a great epiphany passage, right? This is what Jesus is all about. Now to give you a little bit of context, this is the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. He has been baptized. He has emerged after 40 days of uh, 40 days in the wilderness, he has emerged victorious over the temptations of Satan, and he is beginning to gain a reputation regionally as a teacher. And he comes to his hometown synagogue. This would have been the synagogue where he grew up, filled with people that knew his family, knew 
his parents uh, who would have remembered him as a boy who watched him grow up and learn the family carpentry business. And because he is beginning to gain a reputation as a teacher, he's sort of a local boy beginning to make good, uh, they invite him to speak. And he calls for the scroll of Isaiah and unrolls it to the place where Isaiah is speaking the words of the coming Messiah. Now remember, Isaiah was, was, was written, Isaiah's prophecies came about 700 years before Jesus. And Isaiah was not saying that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Isaiah. But when he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he, Isaiah If you go back and look at Isaiah 61, he's speaking the words of the one who was to come. He is speaking the words of God's chosen Messiah. And to a people longing to be released from Babylonian captivity, to people economically and culturally impoverished by an oppressive empire, to a people carrying the guilt of of their own wanderings from God, which have led them into the state that they're in, Isaiah speaks the words of God and says that there would be one who was to come who would bring good news, who would bring the gospel to the poor, the captive, the oppressed. And so Jesus opens to this place, this messianic voice, and he reads it, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the, pl- to the blind. And he rolls it up, and he sits down. And everybody in the synagogue is looking at him. Is he going to say something? What's going to happen next? And Jesus says, I am the one that Isaiah is writing about. That's what he means when he says the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He says he is the one. Now next week we're going to look at the reaction that they had to Jesus' messianic claim. But this week we just have Jesus' procurement of Isaiah's prophecy to describe the character and the purpose of his ministry. If you were to ask Jesus, so... What do you do? This is his answer. And so as the asker, how do we respond? How does this meet us as 2019 disciples? I think the first thing that we need to understand is the ministry of Jesus to us. And then we can understand the ministry of Jesus through us. But it has to be in that order. First, the ministry of Jesus to us, and then the ministry of Jesus through us. So first, the ministry of Jesus to us. Jesus says that the principal reason that the Spirit has rested upon him, remember we saw that in his baptism, which is to say the principal reason that he has come is to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, this is good news for all of us. Because the word there for poor does not just mean simply someone who is out of money. This is a holistic word, a word to describe all of those who were isolated or down and out, 
who were experiencing an absence of shalom, who were on the fringe in any way. In fact, most scholars submit that the release of the captives, the sight to the blind, the liberty for the oppressed, these are all descriptive examples of how Isaiah's Messiah was to deliver his good news to the poor. And all all of them are in some way poor under this holistic word. And you know, who among us hasn't found ourselves in some situation that could be described in this way? We're held captive to an addiction or to depression. We're blind to how our actions are hurting someone else. Or blind to how we have wandered from God's will and God's love. Or we are oppressed by the toxic selfishness of someone who is close to us. Or by a job that gives us no sense of purpose. Maybe we are, in fact, in a season where we are economically poor. That brings a whole host of problems with it. Or maybe we have more material possession than we could ever know what to do with, and yet we feel completely empty and alone and isolated inside. Maybe we're scared by a diagnosis we've received or hindered by guilt or shame. Jesus has come for you. Jesus has come to proclaim God's good news to you. He has come to proclaim God's favor to you. Now listen, I hope you have long seasons, wonderful seasons, that you don't feel any of these things. But the truth is that we all have felt those things or or things like them. And we all will. I mean, that's just the nature of life in this world. I love the story of John Newton who wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. He was a cruel, wretched, foul-mouthed, slave-trading sailor. And he came face to face with his own mortality as a brutal storm tore his ship apart out at sea. And he cried out to the Lord into the dark in his moment of need, and the sound of the Lord's name on his lips scared him worse than the storm. He only ever spoke the Lord's name in vain. But the Lord saw them through the storm. And Newton's heart began to soften. Uh, He began to be drawn to the Lord who saved him. Such that he eventually would go on to pen those famous words that we will sing at the end of the service. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And he would go on to serve as a pastor for many years, but he would be among the first to say that we never get away from needing this good news. Right? No matter how long we have been walking with the Lord, it all, I mean, sometimes it feels like spiritual whack-a-mole, you know, like one pops up and with the Lord's grace, we get that one down, but another one pops up over here and we get that one and another one pops up and the Lord never says, what, another mole? He's come to proclaim good news, the gospel, for the poor. That's the character of his ministry. That's the purpose of his coming. He has been anointed to proclaim good news to you. 
Now, one interesting thing about that word that is translated release, he says he's come to release the captives and and to see the prisoners go free, that word go free is is the same word uh, in the Greek as as release. Uh, The word there doesn't just mean to unlock the prison door. It means full pardon. Not only are you let out of the jail cell, uh, but your guilt is completely erased from the books. Your record is wiped clean. Now, how can that be? I mean, isn't that unjust? Let me tell you about another interesting thing about this this passage from Isaiah. Jesus, as he's reading it from the scroll, leaves leaves a line out. Isaiah's Messiah says that he has come to declare the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus leaves out the vengeance. Why is that? Has he come to proclaim a half-truth? Is he afraid of offending? (laughs) Not Jesus. Jesus did not warn of God's vengeance because he came to take the vengeance due for our sin upon himself. God could not just shrug his shoulders and say our sins didn't matter. That would be unjust. Nor could he just shrug his shoulders and say the sins committed against you did not matter. For that would be unloving. But in fact, as Isaiah says about this Messiah in another passage, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The foundation for discipleship. The foundation for our following the Lord Jesus comes in knowing that we first and foremost are among the poor to whom Jesus proclaims his good news. We are and we always are recipients of his grace. We're learning to trust that his property is always to have mercy, that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And then, And only then can we talk about the ministry of Jesus through us. It is only as recipients of God's grace that we then become distributors of God's grace. See, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. We talked about that when we talked about baptism. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you, and it is our call to share with others the good news that we have received. To share the pardon that we have been given. To open the eyes of the blind as our eyes have been opened. The Spirit of the Lord is not upon you like it is upon Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because it is upon Jesus. And you are in Christ and Christ is in you. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. What a privilege that one of the primary ways that God calls us to grow in our relationship with Him is that we get to participate in His work. Discipleship is not an increased commitment to fill your calendar with churchy activities. Discipleship is a walk through life with Jesus Christ. But part of the Spirit working in us is the Spirit working through us. Now, I could go down a long list of things that you might be able to do to to use all the gifts that God has given to you, but I don't want it to feel like a bait and switch where I talk about grace and forgiveness and good news to the poor, but what I really want is for you to get busy. 
But what I want to say is that it is a privilege and a joy to serve the Lord in whatever way He calls you to serve Him and that serving Him is a primary way in which we grow in Him and continue to experience His grace. And so maybe your heart's tugging on you a little bit. I wonder, I've been kind of wondering how I might get involved. Or maybe you're thinking, I don't really have much to offer. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm too busy. But in any of those, come talk to me or come talk to Trent. And we'd love to pray with you and help you figure out how you can serve the Lord and experience the joy of sharing the grace that you've received. And so when you're in a cocktail party and Jesus... Um, you come up to Jesus and say, so what do you do? This is his answer. He's come to proclaim good news to the poor and then to use us poor to proclaim his good news. Amen.